You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome back, everybody. This is Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and we are now in hour two of today's two-hour extravaganza. So thank you for joining me. Uh, I mentioned earlier in the show, definitely worth mentioning again, that uh, Jim Finch is going to join me later on in the show, talk about two-star pitchers. There's a lot to get to in uh, that part of the show today. I would not be surprised if uh, if Jim's available. <laughs> May keep him on for a second segment because there's a lot of pitchers, interesting pitchers uh, with interesting matchups uh, that are uh, going to be a little tough to figure out. So uh, Jim will be here to, to help me out with that. Um, also, uh, first pitch, just a couple minutes away. So uh, be checking in on a bunch of those games. And uh, a little bit of lineup news, whenever that comes in, have a little bit for you in just a moment. But uh, let me refresh some of the news items. Of course, what I started off with in the first hour, the big news on Bryce Harper. He's got a deep bone bruise, uh, but no structural knee damage, which is great news. Uh, Opens up at least the possibility that Harper can return again some point this season. Uh, Have some new injury news. Brent Suter has been placed on the DL with a strained rotator cuff. He was a really pleasant surprise for the Brewers. Uh, not as effective the last couple of times out. Now uh, on the DL with a strained rotator cuff. Um, also, uh, just before the break, talked about George Springer being out for uh, the Astros against the Rangers. Just want to mention that that is just a routine day off, so hopefully nobody freaked out uh, there, but uh, just saw something. And uh, very good news on Travis Shaw who is uh, out of the Brewers lineup, was reported last night that he was in a walking boot. He had fouled a ball off of his foot. He is expected to be back on Tuesday. So as of right now, looks like Travis Shaw will be safe to start for next week. So that's certainly a very welcome bit of news. Uh, Now, as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, lineups are still uh, rolling in. We've got uh, actually one of the two o'clock games, Braves-Cardinals. We do have the Cardinals lineup, but not the Braves lineup. Uh, all the later games, with the exception of Astros-Rangers, we have no lineups, and we still don't have a Rangers lineup. But the Cardinals uh, mentioned earlier that Jed Jerko is dealing with uh, some right knee uh, irritation. He is out of the lineup, uh, but also uh, no Yadier Molina today in the starting lineup. Carson Kelly behind the plate for the Cardinals. Uh, again, no Braves lineup yet, but I uh, imagine that should be in any time now. So uh, anyhow, got a good second hour for you. Like I said, a lot of talk on two-star pitchers. Get you ready for next week. Take a look at the schedule ahead uh, and check in with the games in progress. So be doing all that after this short break. So don't go anywhere.
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melfior, the host of this very show that you are listening to. And um, I did promise uh, just before the break that I'm going to help you out and uh, give you a, a look ahead to uh, the coming week, week 20, believe it or not. Man, uh, I mean, it's getting to be crunch time. It's uh, close to playoff time. I can't believe that. In head-to-head leagues, I mean, it obviously depends on your format, but I've got some leagues where the, the playoffs start the week after this one coming up. So it's a big, big, important week. Uh, Jim Finch and I are going to try to help you out with the two-star pitchers. Unfortunately, you got a lot of really interesting options to choose from. So uh, we'll try to break those down for you best we can. In terms of the schedules, uh, fortunately, you won't have to worry too much about teams with five-game schedules. There's only three of them. Two of them are the Angels and the Dodgers. And with the Angels, uh, of course, there's there's not too many players, I think, that that would really impact you on. Cole Calhoun, I would think, you know, somebody who's maybe sort of on, on the fringes there, uh, you know, maybe in a deeper league, if you've been counting on Marty Maldonado, maybe uh, you, you look uh, for you know, replacement there. But, um, you know, the fact, too, that they've got uh, the Nationals coming up. Now, they, they don't get Scherzer, which is good. And, of course, uh, Steven Strasburg is just about to embark on a rehab assignment. But Tanner Roark is a really, really nice one-start option uh, going up against an Angels team that I said before is just generally one of the best um, matchups out there in terms of opposing offenses. Uh, Roark does great against righties, and that's a very righty slanted lineup. Uh, so uh, it's a good week to start Roark, but you know the point that you're going to get Roark and you're going to get Gio Gonzalez. Um, so it's not exactly you know Scherzer Strasburg, but um, you know you got two of them representing the the five uh, pitchers that the Angels batters are going to face. So. I don't know, three, three, a three-game series in Baltimore, that could be a nice one. But, you know, you're talking Pujols, talking uh, uh, Cole Calhoun. Uh, you know, there's just not a lot of, of players there. Uh, you know, I suppose Cameron Mabin maybe is one, too, that uh, you would consider. I would, I'd stay away from, from everybody that's not Mike Trout <laughs> uh, this coming week. And then the, the Dodgers, of course, they present you with a lot more uh, dilemmas uh, but uh, you know, Michael Fulmer probably uh, going to be making that start next Sunday, a week from today, against them. Carlos Rodon, that's potentially a, a tough matchup. Although the Dodgers have been hitting lefties much, much better this year than they did last year. Uh, but the remaining starts: Miguel Gonzalez, Jordan Zimmerman, Matt Boyd. I, you know, I. Uh, I think other than maybe Jock Peterson, since there's going to be two lefties there. Okay, you definitely don't start Jock Peterson this week. But as far as, you know, Chris Taylor, uh, Yasmani Grandal, uh, players that you might be on the fence about, I'd, I'd be okay with them. And then the third team that's got a five-game schedule this week are the Brewers. And that's an interesting one. I would, would go ahead and, and stick with my Brewers. Now, they start off with two home games against the Pirates. They get Von Nova and Garrett Cole. Cole's going to be a tough one. Nova not very good on the road. Um, and, and that's, you know, Miller Park's a tough venue. And then they go to Colorado for a three-game series. So 
I, to me, I actually uh, wrote this in the weekly matchup report uh, that I, I send out. And uh, go to almelkier.com, by the way, if you're interested in that. Uh, I wrote there, having a three-game series against the, the Rockies is, is sort of like having a four-game series against a lot of other teams when that series is a course field. So uh, really the only team that I feel is is truly impacted by a short schedule this week is the Angels. And, and there's just not really that many borderline options in that Angels lineup. So uh, that's a very, very long way of telling you that, um, you know, don't worry so much about the length of the matchups this week. You can just go pretty much strictly on the the actual, you know, pitcher versus pitcher matchups or pitcher versus hitter matchups uh, and, and the venues, the park factors, just like you would any other week. So that's, uh, you know, certainly something to uh to take into account there uh looking you know looking ahead um and so looking ahead to uh some of the games in uh on today's schedule we've got a few more lineups in so i'd mentioned that there was no rangers lineup uh but we do have that in and uh i got uh, delino de shields uh nomar mazara uh, carlos gomez uh, patrolling the the, uh, the outfield there, um, and it looks uh, looks pretty standard. So um, that's as far as that goes. I don't see anything there uh, too too alarming. Uh, no, uh, doesn't appear there's any Shinsu Chu in the lineup though. So that's uh, one thing that you might be. Uh, I'm just I'm sorry I'm hesitating here, but there's uh, okay. It looked like there was maybe a, a repetition in the uh, lineup, but there there isn't. So no, just flat out no Shinsu Chu. Cubs and Diamondbacks they go uh, at uh, one o'clock Pacific, one ten actually Pacific. This should be a good one. Jake Arrieta and Zach Godley. So really good pitching matchup. And I talked a little bit about Arietta after his last start. I've been very skeptical about his recent success because the the strikeouts just haven't really been there for him. The swings and misses haven't been there for him in the same way. But uh, I came to the conclusion he's really got a very similar appeal to a healthy Michael Fulmer, that uh, he's generating a lot of soft contact, a lot of fly balls uh, that uh, aren't going very far. And uh, that, you know, that could certainly be good enough, but he's got a tough matchup both in terms of the opponent, the Diamondbacks, and in terms of uh, trying to get a win in outdueling Zach Godley. Uh, but taking a look at the Diamondbacks lineup, uh, you've got uh, Gregor Blanco in center field. So uh, no A.J. Pollock there in the lineup, uh, but uh, Blanco fl- flanked by... Uh, Dave Peralta and uh, J.D. Martinez, per usual. Uh, Daniel Descalso, who's been getting most of the reps at second base, uh, starting there today and batting sixth. So that's your your Diamondbacks lineup. Uh, Cubs lineup, which, of course, is always in flux. Uh, Victor Caratini, excuse me, Victor Caratini starting today behind the plate. Cubs uh, trying to figure out the mix there with Wilson Contreras out. Um, I did see a report that uh, Alex Avila is going to catch John Lester. So that'll, in a small way, help his uh, his playing time. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, pretty much normal. Uh, pretty normal. I don't know that there is a normal Cubs lineup. You do have Tommy Listella batting second and playing second. And no, or nope, I take that back. 
course, Javier Baez is a shortstop uh, filling in for uh, the injured Addison Russell. So, uh, so there you have it. I will uh, keep on try to keep on top of these lineups as they come in, uh, and just previewing uh, some of the other games uh, to to come up. Uh, one of the ones I find very interesting, and I, and I wrote about this in the Sunday Streamers column. Angels and Mariners, no lineups for them yet. That's also uh, 110 Pacific at Safeco, uh, Safeco Field. Talked in the first hour about the Ramirez matchup, JC versus Erasmo last night. Uh, Erasmo turning in a really good performance. And this, on the, the surface, might look like this could be sort of a pitcher's duel. Parker Bridwell and, and Ariel Miranda, because they're both pretty extreme in their fly ball tendencies. I would say very extreme actually in their fly ball tendencies. Miranda's got a great uh set of stats for for Safeco Field. He's been really good at home. Uh Bridwell's been been you know pretty good everywhere uh in spite of the fact that he not only does he give up a lot of fly balls but a lot of hard contact. And as I wrote in the the piece for FanRag Sports, I actually like Miranda's chances much better than Bridwell's today to get a win to put up some good stats that you could use across the board maybe not strikeouts because the angels are not a very good strikeout uh, team for pitchers uh, they're one of the better contact hitting teams in the majors but um so maybe not that but like i said miranda's been really good at safe Field. the angels are just a really good matchup whether it's lefty or righty miranda of course a lefty so uh, if you're still uh, able to add a pitcher uh, for later today, I would I would consider Ariel Miranda uh, again, particularly if you don't need strikeout strikeout help. And I would avoid Parker Bridwell because I just think he is very very regression. Uh, I was gonna say prone, poised for regression would be a better way to put at it. Definitely looks like uh, that ERA, which is just above three, uh, is is due to uh, due to be on a serious rise at some point pretty soon. So uh, anyhow, time to head into uh, the next break here. But when we come back, a lot of two-star pitchers worth uh, at least considering this week. So Jim Finch from Fanrec Sports is going to come by and help us all sort that out. So you want to stick around for that? We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and it is two-star pitcher time. We've already talked a little bit about some of the impacts of the schedule on hitting. Time to turn to pitching, and who better to help us go through that than FanRag Sports' Jim Finch. He writes the two-star pitcher column for FanRag. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Al. I wasn't on last week, so I got to offer my belated apologies to Lance McCullers owners out there. If you remember, we were t- I was talking about getting my little voodoo doll out to take out Charlie Morton or Joe <laughs> Musgrove, and I must have slipped a little, so sorry for that. You've you got to be careful with that, Jim. You really, you know, man. Hey, sometimes you got to do what you got to do when you're playing the opponent. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. That's a, so, uh, well, uh, I'm sure apology is accepted, and, and you know, it's, it's understandable. Yeah, you know, like you said, you got got to do what you got to do. Uh, well, we got a lot of really interesting pitchers to talk about this week, and you specifically 
made a point of suggesting we talk about Ivan Nova. So let's start off with him. And I, I just did a very offhanded way. I was uh, in the previous segment was talking about how the schedules uh, are going to affect some hitters. And with the Brewers, uh, they've got the five-game schedule, uh, starting off with that two-game series against uh, the Pirates. And so I said, you know, Nova's really not been been good on the road, but I didn't really go go much beyond that. And of course, Nova has the second start uh, next week versus the uh, the Cardinals at home. So what do you make of that uh, that combination? I'm more worried about the pitcher himself. I mean, I mean, if you just look at his numbers over the past couple of months, they've been horrible. He had a 6280 array in July, a 511 in August. He's had a few quality starts, but he's also uh he's had five five games in his last 10 with four more runs. And he's given up home runs in nine of his last ten games with multiple home runs in five of those games. And if you look at his numbers, his fly ball rate's only only up slightly, but the infield fly ball rate has completely disappeared. And his hard hit rate is ten points over what it was in over the first three months. It's over 40% right now. So I don't even think it's a matter of homer away with Nova. He just looks broken altogether to where... I don't know if I would trust him versus anybody at this point, and it's almost to the stage that if he doesn't do well this week against at least the Brewers, I mean, St. Louis I'll forgive because they've been hitting the ball pretty well lately, but if he doesn't do well against Milwaukee, I would, I might even consider dropping him at this point. Yeah, and I could see that because, I mean, you never were going to get strikeouts from Nova. The appeal was always... Uh, the great control that enabled him to go deep into games and, and, and minimizing the hard contact enough so that he could stay in those games. And like you said, a 40% hard contact rate is, is horrible. So what's really left to, to be holding on to at that point? I, I certainly couldn't blame you or anybody else for, uh, for dropping Nova. Um, uh, you know, and like you said, if it's, you're in a daily transactions league, you know, don't even wait around for that, uh, that second start. That that sounds like good advice to me. Uh, well, and then a pitcher that I wanted to uh, be sure to get to, so get this one out of the way. Blake Snell, who just recently returned from uh, an extremely short time at AAA Durham, uh, he's got two starts this week. He's got the Blue Jays at Rogers Center, and then he finishes up the week back at home against the Mariners. And the reason I want to talk about Snell is because uh, I, I think I may have jumped the gun a little bit on some analysis I did with him a few weeks back. I don't know if you remember, Jim. He had that start against the Orioles. Uh, that was like his best start in a really long time. And um, and I you know, came on the show here. And, and in fact, even before the start, I said, you know what? This could be a, a, an unusually good start for him because the Orioles are so aggressive and their plate discipline is so so questionable that – Snell's wildness is, is really going to be taken out of the equation. And then, you know, after the fact, I said, you know, look, see, <laughs> you know, bias confirmed. But then he, he went on and, and kind of did the same thing in his subsequent starts. So, you know, my question is, you've got a couple of matchups. I'm kind of interested in your take on the Blue Jays and Mariners matchups. But you've got a couple of matchups that I think are, are sort of middle of the road. Not great, not bad. But I just wonder if, if you think Snell is good enough now on his own merits to not worry so much about the matchups. 
You know what? The matchups are the only reason that I don't, is I don't have him in the sit column this week. If he were a righty, he would be an automatic sit for me. But the fact that he's a lefty and Seattle's ranks in the bottom half, Toronto ranks in the bottom third against lefty, that's the only reason I would consider him. But in my world, he would probably be a start because he's having a problem getting through five innings. He rarely goes six innings. So if you're in a quality start league, he's an automatic sit right there just for that reason. The walks are increasing. The home runs are a problem. I mean, he's basically got the same problem as Odorizzi, except his are more pronounced throughout the entire season. And I, I, maybe as a deep league, league option, I can see him maybe as a start, but standard 12-team, I would probably sit him because even against teams that are struggling against lefties, even those teams will tee off on a bad lefty pitcher. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we're, we're, you know, in the final analysis then, uh, you know, it sounds like it depends on format then for this week? Um, not, not really format. I think more a matter of uh, how many teams. If it's 12 teams, 10, 12 teams, I would probably gotcha. sit them. 14 or more, maybe you can consider starting them as a low-end low end option, but I wouldn't trust them personally. Okay. Uh, that's you know that's certainly fair enough. I I gotta admit a twelve team league. I think I'd take a look at him and see how he stacks up at some of, against some of the other options. But I'd, I'd be a there little bit nervous. There are some good free agents this week if you're looking for two star pitchers that I would take over Snell and I think we're going to talk about a couple of them today. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. Let's let's play it out that way then. And um, you know another pitcher I'm I'm very intrigued by in terms of recent trends and by the matchups is Trevor Bauer. Um, he's got the Red Sox. At Fenway, he's got the Royals at home. But here's what I find so interesting about uh, Trevor Bauer, uh, which is that I still, with him, worry about control. And he's going to face both the most selective team in the major leagues in terms of swing rate on pitches out of the zone and the least selective team in the majors in terms of that. So, I, I mean, I know Bauer's on a, on a tremendous hot streak. So I guess really the, the question is, does that... Is that just an oddity and, and kind of just a, a fun statistical thing? Or do you think that those matchups still matter and come into play for Trevor Bauer? I think it may come into play more with the Boston matchup than the Kansas City one. I mean, he's been, FTC, he was brutal for the first two months, but he had a 3-8-2 in June, got a little off track in July, but he said two good starts in August. That actually started at the end of July, so... He's he's on pretty much a pretty good roll there. I mean, his last two starts were against the Yankees and Rockies, and that was one run each for those. And I would put Kansas City below both of those teams offensively. He The road ERA, it's over six, so you do have to worry about that. But Kansas City's got a nice enough home park to where I'm not that too concerned with that one. It's really the Boston start that I have to worry about some. But the one thing with Boston is, yeah, they're hot now. They have had a tendency to be sort of hot and cold throughout the season, so they can be contained. It's not like they're Houston or something to where you have to worry about them putting up 10, 12 runs every single night. So I would start him. I'm concerned about Boston, but I think the Kansas City start can absorb enough of the damage that would happen in Boston if he did give up four or five runs that you would be all right with both starts. Yeah, and that's kind of the way I would break it down, too. Like, I, I worry about that Boston start. They don't strike out much. They, he could walk a bunch of batters there because they're they're just so selective. But, um, 
I think the Royals are a really, really nice matchup for him. So if uh, you're, you're locked in and it's a, a weekly transaction league, that's, that's the dilemma you face, uh, whether or not you think he can do enough against the Royals. And um, for me, Jim, I, I, it would, it really, it's not a must-start situation for Trevor Bauer, as good as he's been lately. It really would be, well, how does he stack up against the other options? So before we get on to some of those other options, is, is, he ju- is, is that Kansas City enough for you to just lock him in there no matter what, or is it more of a borderline case? I'd say it's more of a borderline case because of the Boston one, but the two starts are good enough to where he should be considered. He, I would probably consider him over, over at least, I'd say, the, anyone after like the top 30, I would consider him over those mm-hmm. one-star pitchers. Well, that's uh, you know that's pretty fair, and I think that means most likely I would think you're you're probably going to start them then. <laughs> more than likely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we could uh, we could get to one more pitcher before break, and and uh, I'm glad uh, to hear uh, you still have time to join us for a second segment, right? Yes. All right, that is awesome because, like I said, there's a lot of pitchers to get to, so uh, it's it's going to be two segments worth. But Jared Eikhoff, I love this. Uh, to me, he is the guy to pick up. He's he's your first stop on the shopping list as far as I'm concerned. I, <laughs> Jim, I said uh, probably four or five times in the show before the segment, the two most favorable matchups are the Padres and the Giants. He gets them both, and he gets them both away from Citizens Bank Park. I don't think it gets any better. Uh, what do you think about Eikhoff? Yeah, you basically just summed it all right, up right there as far as the opponents in the park goes. I mean, you don't get any kind of better matchups than that right there. And he's available in, I think, like 60% of Yahoo leagues, 85% of ESPN leagues. So I mentioned there would be a couple guys that are out there on waivers you want to pick up. This would definitely be one of them. And, I mean, he's not, not only just for the matchups, if you look at his um, – Look at how he's been coming around lately. Six of his last seven starts, they've uh, all been great. Five of those, he held opponents at two or fewer runs. And it's not like he played any kind of slouches. I mean, he played Arizona, Milwaukee, Atlanta. So he's had some good competition, and he's putting up the numbers. So he looks like the guy we had last year. And if he's out on waivers, he's definitely someone you want to pick up. All right. Well, we got to head to break, Jim. So, uh... That gives everybody a chance. Go out, see if Jared Eikhoff is on your waivers, and go get them. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes, so take care of that. We'll take care of some business here, and uh, we'll be right back with more two-star pitchers. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host and my guest for the last segment and for this one, Jim Finch, also from FanRag Sports. Uh, you definitely need to make visiting Jim's uh, two-star pitcher column on FanRag part of your uh, lineup setting, rotation setting prep. Uh, so uh, we're going to talk about some of the – we have been talking about some of those uh, pitchers uh, out there uh, – uh, as two start options. And uh, Jim, before we get back to that, I uh, just want to give everybody a, just a quick update on in progress games. Not a lot of scoring so far. Of course, your first pitch just over half an hour ago, but uh, Chad Cool is uh, off to a start that is unfortunately very reminiscent of Sean Manaya's yesterday. Already given up four runs, uh, just one out, and 
runners on on first and third uh, against the Blue Jays. So, not cool. Not cool. <laughs> Thank you for the courtesy chuckle. All right, <laughs> I'll get back to the uh, to that and other games uh, the next segment. But we got a lot to get to in this segment, Jim. Uh, so. Uh, hopefully, uh, some folks had a chance to check on Jared Eikhoff during the break. Uh, Kevin Gosman, probably not all that available, but, you know, maybe worth uh, checking in on. Uh, he's got the Mariners. He's got them in Seattle, which is nice. And then he's got the Angels, although that's a Camden Yards. Uh, has there been enough consistency from Gosman lately and uh, good enough matchups here to, to give him a try? He's I, I would probably put him right there with Trevor Bauer. As I mean, he's got the one matchup with Seattle that I like. Seattle's been decent, but not anything to, like any sort of a big offensive threat. Do I, I need to worry about them? The Angels, though, they've been kind of hot this month, and he just faced them. I think that was on Wednesday or Thursday, and they hit him pretty well. So you'd kind of have to worry about that game, but. He was on a nice stretch before that where he gave up only two runs over a total of four games. He's had a 3.65 ERA in July. He's got a 3.63 so far in August. So he is starting to come around, sort of what we expected of him during the preseason. And he, uh, <laughs> I, I, I listed him under questionable for a reason because that angel start is the one that bothers me, and I'm not – I'm not sure I fully trust him right now. I mean, he's someone that uh, it's mo- more sour grapes on him because I dropped him earlier in the year when he was slumping and I didn't get him back. And now it's like I'm looking at him going, I don't know, do I buy him? Do I not buy him? I, I lean towards starting him just for his recent stretch, but I'm not 100% behind that. Yeah, well, I don't know what Gosman has to do to get in my circle of trust. I mean, he had a nice run there. Like you say, that uh, kind of came to a screeching halt. Uh, so it, uh, it it certainly doesn't take much to get him out of the circle. Uh, and I, I'm with you. He's kind of in the Trevor Bauer category of maybe there's enough there, but there's enough risk that I at least want to check my other options. Uh, I want to get to, if we have time, for, and I think we will have time, for uh, pretty widely available options, I think, who could be better than Gosman or Bauer for the coming weeks. So let's start with Denelson Lamette, uh, who's really had trouble building consistency, and, and this week could fall right in that pattern because he's got a very nice matchup. Fortunately, both of these at home, by the way, uh, against the Phillies, but then he gets the Nationals. So uh, is Petco Park enough? Are the Phillies enough? Is, is there enough here to go ahead and, and make Lamette a, a priority? Well, you Got two of the three boxes checked with Philly and being at home. I mean, he's been great at home. He's got four, four of his five games at home. He's held the opponents to two or two or less. So he's got that going for him. Philly, that's an easy one right there. It's basically a no-brainer. It, it comes down to Washington, and it's sort of like a couple of the other starts we've mentioned there. That one bad matchup could offset everything. The thing with this one is, I think. As bad as Philly has been, I think Lamette's a lefty as well, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. And if that's the case, then that's, that even puts more in his favor, and that Philly start should be able to absorb a ton of damage from Washington. And even if Washington puts up five runs, I don't see Philly scoring more, more than one run in this game. And if Bryce Harper, if that MRI comes back from him uh, positive today and he misses that weekend series, that takes another piece out of the equation and makes me lean towards starting Lamette even more. So 
check uh, check the DL news on him. See if see if Harper does go on a DL. If he does, then scoop up Lamette and start him this week. If he doesn't, then I would still even consider starting him. I mean, there are worse starters out there. I would actually probably start him maybe over Bauer. You start Lamette over Bauer. I would consider starting Lamette over Bauer just for the matchups in the park. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I like I said, I. I can see that. I think I like this a little better. I I would maybe it's a t- it's a tough one with the Nationals, but um, yeah, I I, I kind of give the in a way give the uh, advantage to the park there in part because I'm not viewing the Nationals quite as uh, as much uh, of a, a tough matchup, especially now that Harper's going to be out. That might even just be the uh, the tiebreaker right there. With no Bryce Harper, I mean, there's still plenty of dangerous bats in that lineup, but you know that that's enough to kind of make it make it a tipping point for me. So, uh, yeah, and no, I, uh, I I like that as, as compared to some of the other options. Now, how about Ty Block? Uh, I mean, there's a real contrast here in terms of what Block can give you versus Lamette because I, I, you know, and this could be needs based too. We're at the point in the year where you may be focused on trying to improve in certain categories. If you get strikeouts. I don't think you can afford not to start Lamette. Um, block block is not going to give you strikeouts, even with good matchups. But I th- could see him going very deep into these starts at Miami, at home versus the Phillies, uh, and just give you uh, a lot of help with your ERA, with your ERA and WHIP. Yeah, I agree. He's not going to get you to strikeouts, but he's been terrific, and he is one of the other pitchers that I would recommend to everybody to pick up right now. I mean, not just for this week, but his past five starts, we were talking, but he said how he's been going deeper into games. He's gone at least seven innings in his last five starts. He's failed to reach his sixth inning only twice in his past 16, and 12 of those 16 mm-hmm. were quality starts. So while you may look at the 4-1-5 ERA and just kind of shrug your shoulders, He's been incredibly consistent, and he's got, again, another Philly game, and he's got that one in a great park, which is the, which is the perfect matchup right there. And he's got Miami, another great park. Yeah, they hit the ball pretty well, but and he hasn't been as consistent on the road, but the park factor kind of helps that one out there. I think, I think he's one of the best streamers out there right now. I mean, I think 85% of Yahoo, 90% of ESPN. I would definitely take him, and I have. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would probably prioritize him right behind Eikhoff because I don't really see. Like I said, unless you need strikeouts, I don't see a whole lot of risk. Maybe you know he doesn't dazzle with the ERA, but I don't think he's going to hurt you. Uh, so I think I would. I would go Eikhoff, Block, and then Lamet. And by the way, I'm sorry, I, I was remiss because you you said that uh, Lamet. Uh, you weren't sure on the, the handedness. Uh, uh, he is a righty, so does that change anything for you? Uh, and so let me make this make this a two parter. Does that change anything? And wh- how would you rank order Eikhoff, Black, and Lamette? Um, I put them in the same order you had. Eikhoff, Black, and Lamette. And no, it doesn't change anything to me. I just have a bunch of Philly matchups here, and I couldn't remember whether it was Lamette or uh, Black or who. Which one was the lefty? I'm looking down at them. So. But, yeah, yeah, Philly, lefty, righty, doesn't matter. Lefty would be preferable <laughs> against Philly, but any hand will do. I totally agree with that. Uh, you know, the pitcher I get confused on, righty, lefty, is, is the next one on my list, and that's Jake Junis. 
um, <laughs> who who is a righty, but for some reason I always think he's a lefty. Um, but um, he's not he's not absolutely uh, confirmed as a two star pitcher. But the uh, the Royals are going to somehow have to replace um, Trevor Cahill. Junis has been mentioned as the lead candidate. I I don't see why they wouldn't go with him uh, if he does fill that Cahill spot. He gets the A's in Oakland, the Indians at home. Um, so is is it worth uh, waiting around to see if if Junis gets that? Uh, announced start against the A's, or uh, does it does it just not matter? I think the announcement is just a technicality. He's basically the only option in there for them to start, so he should be the one going against Oakland and Cleveland. I I just don't know if I would actually pick him up. I mean, his minor league numbers they were solid enough, but so far the numbers in the majors it's sort of been a mixed bag for what you're going to get from him and. While the matchups are nice, the Padres were able to score three runs off him a few games ago, so I don't even know if you can take matchups into account with this one. It's just sort of a coin flip on what you're going to get. He could have a decent Major League future, but he's not showing enough consistency to where I would trust him this early. I mean, I think he's someone to watch, not own right now. All right. All right, watch, wait and see. And then one last one, Adger Wojciechowski at the Cubs, at the Braves. A couple of teams that have not really done very well against righties. Uh, a fairly promising uh, start last time out. Uh, worth the risk. <laughs> you know, every time I look at his name, and I'm glad you're around my same age, you'll probably get the reference. <laughs> do you think of Barney Miller when you when you read his name? Oh, you know, oh absolutely I do. Absolutely. Uh, I'm not alone in that. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, putting that aside, outside Luis Castilla, I don't see any of the red starters being safe to stream or even own at this point. I mean, most of them are out there out of necessity and not by choice. Scott Feldman right now is your default number two pitcher in Cincinnati going by the numbers. That's how bad things are. And I think if Cincinnati had a choice, they would unload the entire lot of them. I know he's he put up decent numbers in the bullpen, but I don't see him being stretched out enough. His numbers aren't even weren't even good enough in the bullpen. I don't want him as a starter. I don't want him on my team, and I wouldn't even look at him or any Cincinnati pitcher at this point. All right. Well, we're in agreement. We want Jared Eikhoff, Ty Block, and, and maybe Denelson Lamette. So some options for you to check out. Jim, thank you so much for going through all these with me, uh, and uh, looking forward to the next time. All right, talk to you next time, Al. Thanks for having me. Yeah, my pleasure, Jim. Thanks. All right, folks, stick around. Going to check in on some of the Sunday action when we come back from this break. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and want to give out big thanks and a shout-out to you. Fan Rags, Jim Finch, for joining me for not one but two segments today uh, because we had so many two-star pitchers that we wanted to break down and really give them uh, the their due uh, in terms of uh, breaking down some of those real dilemmas uh, because there were so many of them uh, that had one good start, one bad start, and really trying to, to tease out uh, kind of where where to weigh the where to weigh the balance on that one. You know, Bauer, uh, uh, Lamette. Uh, trying to figure out, uh, you know, which is the uh, 
uh, you know, going to be the decisive start uh, in that. So uh, hope that was helpful. I'm uh, going to take a look at some of the uh, games going on right now. And in terms of intriguing matchups, uh, I would say that the uh, Rockies-Marlins game, just uh, based on the matchup alone, was shaping up to be kind of interesting because you had Herman Marquez going for the Rockies, who I-, I would say it's probably a bit of an exaggeration to say he's been red hot, but he's just been very, very steady uh, over the last uh, about month and a half. And coinciding with uh, some some real improvement in his numbers uh, has been a greater reliance on the curveball, which has really been a very good pitch for him. Uh, again, it's, you know, I, I hate to oversimplify these things because it's it's obviously more about pitch selection and usage than it is with you know sequences and how they're using it, not, not just how often. But uh, you know, when you have a coincidence like that, uh, it maybe gives me a little bit more confidence that it's not just smoke and mirrors. And uh, the Marlins, however, jumped off to a jumped out to a two nothing lead against the Rockies, <laughs> but uh, it was Vance Worley that did the damage uh, with a two-run single in the uh, bottom of the second uh, with that one. So, uh, so far, Marquez has just, uh, he's hit a batter, hit uh, JT Real Muto, and then he's given up the singles to Tomas Talese and Vance Worley. So, not exactly the uh, people in the lineup. I saw 2 nothing and figured maybe a two-run homer by Giancarlo Stanton, but uh, Stanton uh, 0 for 1 so far in that one. But it looks like Lance Worley might be in a little bit of trouble now in the top of the third with the Rockies uh, have runners on second and third with just one out. So if you started Marquez, and that was actually my top recommendation in the Sunday Streamers column, uh, don't give up hope yet. Uh, just uh, take would take up. In fact, Rockies just got on the board. Uh, have to see what this is. I think it might have been a cargo... Uh, cargo RBI hit in any event uh, that one's still very much in play. So still runners on second and third with one in uh, just one down in, in that one, Marlins and Rockies giants are up on the nationals three, nothing uh, blue chase five to one. They wind up scoring a fifth run in that inning while uh, Jim Finch and I were talking about two star pitcher. So bad, bad start already for Chad cool uh, raise up on the Indians one, nothing. And uh, the Twins have also jumped out to a big start, uh, not kind of like the, the Blue Jays, but they've been sort of chipping away at Matt Boyd and the Tigers, and they are now up uh, 4 nothing. That is now the middle of the third inning. And uh, the Mets are off to uh, a 2 They got off to a 2 nothing lead on a uh, Michael Conforto two-run homer. Uh, Curtis Granderson led off with a double. And uh, Conforto brought him in. And that wraps up all the games in progress just in time because we got to go. So stay tuned for Fantasy Football Frenzy. Uh, Thank you for joining me for today. I'll be back tomorrow. So hope to see you then.